Welcome to Can I Offer You Some Feedback? My name is Sara, and this is the podcast for those who have a complicated relationship with feedback and are looking to hear from real people across levels and industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. Before we dive in, I'd like to introduce our guest for the podcast today, Jeff. He's a president of an independent marketing strategy firm. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's kick things off with the main question of the podcast. When I say the phrase, can I offer you some feedback? What's your gut reaction when you hear that? So I think like my Neanderthal gut reaction is sweat, like it's nervousness. But my relationship with feedback has has changed dramatically over my career. So I think that it recesses quickly from that into something in a, in a much better context. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have that. It's the gut reaction, but then how long does it take you to shift, right? How long does it take you to know that like this is safe or potentially safe, <laughs> depending on the context? Well, and so I've, there's a couple of things that have happened throughout my career, I should say my life, that have kind of changed my trajectory to that feedback. I grew up as an athlete playing sports and feedback was immediate and it was regular. And that was, I, that to me was very therapeutic. I like that. I love having coaching in that capacity. Um, and then I, you know, I, when I got into the professional world, I found that it wasn't as readily available. And so I recessed quite a bit. I recessed into, uh oh, now it only comes very, very periodically. And so now I fear it. And so I've, you know, there's this long period of time in my career where I deeply feared it after having wanting to be coached for a long time. And then got lucky enough through some mentorship relationships and some really positive corporate relationships, business relationships, where people started once again giving it to me with frequency and and thoughtfully with care. And it's amazing how my mind has shifted back to it as such a positive. Mm-hmm. But the the, bru- the bruises of that probably 10 or 15 year period where I felt very different about it, they are still the underlying immediacy of the feeling. Mm-hmm. And I would say that probably echoes true for a lot of folks that start in the athletic space, right? You get so much feedback or even the student space being, you know, in the classic and educational setting, you get a lot of feedback about your work, about your product, et cetera. But um, that changes over time. I, I think you're kind of leaning a little bit, but I want to ask the question anyway, which do you prefer to be that giver or the receiver of feedback? I mean, so far, you've talked on the receiving side, but I'm curious. So it it's my relationship to both has evolved a lot, which I think is I think is what's supposed to happen. I think that is, it's an evolutionary thing. I still deeply, deeply want to receive feedback. And so I need to, you know, being in a, in a leadership position now, I need to surround myself with peers and with people where that's a reality, where that, that can happen. So that's a, that's a super big thing for me. But I think I've now found, I've come out the other side of my, or at least this point in my career, where there, I don't think there's anything more gratifying than seeing people grow and seeing people, and even if it means leaving you or your organization, seeing people expand to that relationship of feedback. So I love to give it. You know, I always, <laughs> I view it through coaching. I, I, I just, and that's the way I, I couch it to everybody is, you're not supposed to know everything. Nobody's ever going to know everything. If you don't have this kind of open back and forth and you wait till a quarterly review or whatever, it's a surprise and it doesn't hit the same way. 
you can't action it the same way. And so I think the the thing I love is giving small little bite size feedback in the moment, not these like, you know, periodic on a calendar, you know, larger pieces of feedback, like your work product sucks. Well, why does it suck? I don't know. I forget. I forget all the times that it sucked. I just think it's more valuable for everybody given in the moment. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, you mentioned on the receiving side, surrounding yourself with a team that gives you feedback. How do you think about or how do you approach or the awareness that you're in a leadership position and these are folks you supervise? And so, I mean, you're getting feedback, but how do you think about like the realness of the feedback? So my own personal shortcomings in my career came from the idea that I was supposed to know everything that I was at these certain points in the road that I couldn't go and ask for help because people would expect that by this point, I knew it. And then, you know, a handful of failures and then some really, really great mentors over time. It you know, wasn't one like some sort of cataclysmic conversation over time. I just like, oh, and I saw it happen well enough that I was like, oh, that's, I think that's what it's supposed to look like. And so one of the things that made me more comfortable to start giving feedback was to early and often be vulnerable with my own skill set, because I'm good at just a handful of things. And I'm really not good at a handful of things. And when I started to say those out loud, people who work with me or potentially in a subordinate position who had that skill set really strongly, I could be like, hey, I suck at this. I, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. You look to be fabulous at it. I would love for you to take on more of a leadership position with me in terms of doing whatever the, this thing. And I found that having that conversation, being open about my own shortcomings made giving feedback easier. The place where I felt especially early on, the biggest challenge was making sure that those relationships stay in a, in a, in a place where it's not too, too friend-ish, where I could still say, hey, this is the expectation. This is the expectation we have to meet and exceed. This is what I expect from you. And still be able to like really push that person. That becomes difficult when you're, when you're too friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, or you you get too deep on a friendship side of things. So, you know, it's I mean, it's juggling though. The things that are I think I do right with it now might end up being shortcomings for the next version of what I am. And you know, the things that I think are vulnerabilities now might be real strengths. But mm-hmm. I think the the key is you just kind of you kind of got to be looking at it all the time. And that's where I think most people fall down is like, is it the honest conversation with yourself? Because most people like to think, all right, I figured this one out, and then they just move forward with whatever the next thing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what the truth is, you figured it out right now, based on <laughs> the variables today. <laughs> like, yeah. and it's it's good enough, right? But what you're doing right now may not work a month from now, may not work a year from now. And that's hard when you're thinking about like, internal development or team development, like, but we just, quote unquote, finish that, <laughs> you know, like, we already did that team mm-hmm. stuff. We already did that, you know, hard work. Can we just, you know, forever maintain <laughs> effective yeah. relationships? No, like, that's not how it works. But I think I think I find myself in this, you know, so we're a hundred plus person organization, you know, we serve enterprise level clients, they expect a certain level of, um, you know, buttoned up nature about 
you know, how we, how we operate. I find myself now gravitating more towards people in both a mentorship relationship for me and subordinates who either naturally do or now subscribe as a part of their careers to that evolution. To that, like, I'm not constantly in a state of figuring it out. And when you find those people, they want to have the back and forth conversation. They don't shy away from it because, you know, yeah, it makes everybody better. But those things that go unsaid are the ones that wake you up at three o'clock in the morning. Those are the ones when you don't feel like you have an outlet or a person that you can go to and say, I know I'm screwing this up and and I don't know why. Man, those relationships are worth their weight in gold. And I think, you know, maybe at the core, one of the cores of those relationships is trust that that person is going to support you along the way for that. Not, you know, put it out in the open, not put you on blast, Uh but you, you trust that, you know, they'll hold it, but also that they will care for you in the delivery yeah. of that feedback, right? Like, I want it real, but it doesn't have to be rough. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, it can be two things. And I want the truth. I want that candor, as it were. But I also need that you hear me, you see me, you get the perspective I'm coming from, and, and you hear why this is hard. So that is, that's a soft skill mm-hmm. from a leader's perspective or a feedback giver's perspective that I think goes so sorely untaught. Mm. Because feedback without, you know, thoughtfulness and caring is just scolding, you know, and in depending on the person, you're either you're going to reinforce some really negative things, or you're going to you're going to cap some really positive things in a person. Mm -hmm. And so as somebody who felt imposter syndrome still still deals with it. Having those people who've been there before me, and that I this is something I tell people that I mentor to cultivate, having those people who've been there before me, have no stake in my success other than their personal satisfaction of seeing me do well or this yourself do well. Those people who can lovingly say something to you where you know it's coming from a place of betterment versus a place of, oh, my bonus is on the line if you don't do this right. That doesn't get taught. Real leadership like that, that doesn't get taught very often. And that's why, um, you know, I think you find teachers and teachers are extraordinarily valuable, but, you know, teachers come in your life and then go out of your life, you know, for, for certain instances, coaches stay, coaches and mentors stay. You remember because those people deliver to you, not just information, they deliver to you truth and good, good, bad, or otherwise, and you're, Mm -hmm. and, and they shape your ability to intake it with a the positive and I think people that succeed, you know, fortunately or unfortunately are ones who are 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 graced enough with those type of people in their lives to keep moving forward. Cause I think, you know, it's it's not about failure. It's about I screwed up. Do I keep moving? And when mm-hmm. you keep moving, you end up getting better. Yeah. Well, if especially if it's in the direction that everyone else is going to. Sure. Um, yeah. And and I'm thinking, you know, because you're in this leadership role in your organization, um, well, the top leadership role, but when you're in this role, I'm kind of framing this from the perspective you talked about on the individual level, right? Coaching me- can be valuable. Mentorship can be valuable. How do you think about integrating this organizationally as a part of the culture? Do you have a way that you think about feedback and, and the structures for it? Well, it's it's hard. It really is. I think you, you have to do a couple of things. You, you have to have those gateposts, check-ins, you have to have 
those kind of things that everybody has an expectation. I will be, we will be discussing this quarterly. We will be discussing this annually. We, you know, I have that very, very top level expectation of check-ins. I think you have to have a really honest understanding of expectation. And I think that is hard. Most organizations don't do that well. They either do it, you know, completely to the numbers side of things, or they don't do it. I think, you know, expectations, uh, when you find organizations or leaders who create expectations really well, those are people you should really do your best to stay around. But then I think the best of the best have those formal spots, but have really mastered informality, in the moment, personal, and that's a touchy line. I mean, that's a real that's a real place that you have to be extraordinarily cognizant of. And so, I think level of success or failure is probably not my place mm. to determine. And how we do this, it's probably you know other people in the organizations, but. I think if you set those parameters of, hey, we have these gateposts. Here are my expectations. My expectations are going to be changing when my expectations change. I expect to communicate them to you when you're not seeing alignment to those expectations. I expect you to call me on it. And then I expect us to have informal, in-between, and frequent discussion about where things happen. I think if you do those things, you take most personality types who take feedback differently. You can get almost all of those people, those different personality types in a good spot where they feel comfortable and Mm -hmm. the changing nature of expectations, both corporate and personal can be voiced. I really love that. What's striking me is you're sharing about how expectations can be used not just as like a work product conversation. I think oftentimes when I'm hearing about expectations, it's very much, you know, we should communicate like this, or we should um, have the product look like this, or the service delivery should be like this. And I'm hearing you articulate a lot more in how we should be with each other, how we should act with each other. And I think that you're right. A lot of organizations don't spend the time to talk or share uh, the expectation of behaviors around how yeah. we are with each other, how we enact with each other, and what happens if we don't, right? What what happens when we miss that opportunity? Um, and I think that that is, when we've been talking, I think it's one of those areas that is very much a you style. Um, mm. And I think that uh, that clarity is is one of those key components. So I appreciate you for sharing that example and and kind of your perspective on that. Um, well, and think about it. That's you know, sales are really easy to judge. And so, at least common denominator wise, did you or didn't you? And it's you you can you can look at all those things as a leader. Who one of the tough parts of my career is the the further I went up, mm-hmm. the less I was asked to do the work, and I had always identified with doing the work. And so when you get to the point where you aren't expected to do the work, you're expected to lead people, that becomes a real murky area of like, all of a sudden, my hands aren't busy. Mm -hmm. So are you at that point being judged off of how clearly you give expectations to others? I I don't know a lot of organizations that do that. I think probably the great ones do. Mm -hmm. Or I'm not familiar with many that do it well. I think that it's 
not articulated clearly, if it is, yeah. right? It's measured in some other way with some other kind of metric, um, yes. but not in that kind of crisp way of mm-hmm. um, getting that feedback from other people on whether or not you're actually setting them clearly. That's the, yeah. that's the key part there. Yeah. Well, Jeff, uh, for our last question in our time together, could I offer you some feedback? Please. I wanted to share with you and, you know, this conversation that we've had today has really kind of refreshed uh, a lot of those thoughts. And you've used some of those terminology. Um, we've had the, you know, opportunity to work together, study together <laughs> in a couple different capacities. And I have always appreciated the realism that you bring to a conversation. I was, you know, thinking about things like the groundedness or the honesty or just the the trueness of who you are. But you mentioned it a few minutes ago in this formal informality, right? There's a way that I feel like you show up that feels very casual, comfortable, collected, but I also know you're there to get it done. I also know that you're ready to do the business. And you were describing it in the context of your team, even, you know, there's a certain expectation in how our team of 100 should show up, but we can also be ourselves, you know? And I think that that is something, and it sounds like it's kind of exuded into your organization as well. And and it's a part of that culture. It's the expectation of, you know, I can be me, I can show up and be how I want to be, and I can do the work. And those don't have to be mutually exclusive. And I, I think that one of the things that I've seen sometimes as people move up in a leadership position, they lose more of themselves. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like, and I know our group has, has teased you <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you, <laughs> when you became the president, but it, you didn't change. Right. Wow. And I'm sure you have also experienced folks that as they move up in the organization, they change. And yeah. that's something that I've really appreciated. And I think it's, you know, from my perspective, I think it's a great example of staying true to the oneself and having that realism and keeping that sense of self. So I know that's something I've really appreciated and I hope that your team gets to see it too. And, and all the folks that you have the opportunity to coach and mentor as well. So um, I wanted to well, thank you for that. That is one of the great compliments I've ever received. And I'm, I'm very grateful. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. And thanks to you for joining us in another episode of Can I Offer You Some Feedback? You can reach me at podcast at mod.network. We would love to hear from you on your thoughts on feedback or any other perspectives that you'd like to hear from next. As always, give us a quick rating on your platform of choice and share this podcast with a friend. And I'm hoping that tomorrow you take a chance and offer some feedback when it's needed most. Can I Offer You Some Feedback is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, hosted by me, Sara Esmail Beggy Bartlett. Our production team includes Nigel Galladay and Gray Longfellow. We'll see you next time. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.